It's time for the Diamond in the Rough podcast with your hosts, Dan Collins. Now we're making a shrine. Yeah, right, right, right. Jersey, jacket, ring. Is there something we owe him? And Sam Ostrowski. I can see how he how he jump leaped or uh, frog leaped. Deep frog, frog leaped, however the hell is saying it. Diamond in the Rough podcast, episode five. Dan Collins and Sam Ostrowski here telling you to jump on board the prospect train and enjoy quite a good show. Plenty to talk about today, Sam, because we get to discuss how wrong we were about the new top 100 prospect list via MLB.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Diamond in the Rough podcast, Twitter, at Diamond Podcast. Email us, tell us... Well, exactly how bad we were at projecting the top five prospect <laughs> list at Diamond in the Rough Podcast at gmail.com. Sam, let's get right into it. I feel like we have a lot to discuss. Plenty of good conversations going to go on on this podcast. So here we go. There's one thing I was right about. That was the name Andrew Benatendi. I did say he was going to be the number two rated prospect close. on the list. Close only counts in horseshoes, though, so I was still wrong. He ended up being number one leapfrogging Yoan Moncada. So what we want to do here as we go around the league in our first segment, first off, Sam, I think we should talk about how we feel our projections went. Obviously, we didn't get the top five right. Neither of us did. So lucky we didn't play the lotto that night. Those were just projections. Those weren't who we thought should be. That's who we thought the experts were going to put. But yeah, like you said, we we were way wrong. So anything surprise you that night was there anything that caught your eye that made you go whom oh any whom's going around oh plenty of whom's but let's yeah. just keep it for to the top five right now i mean ben attendee was a surprise to me being number one i Stop thought you here we go again well no you you here said you said again. on the last episode we both agreed yohan mancada was still the number one prospect in the league uh we both thought there was no reason why is he not that, Let's that, start that's, there. That's exactly Besides what I'm asking. Ben, regardless of Ben, uh, we could get into why. Ben why was one. the jump made? Yeah, or why was the decline made? So is it maybe not what Moncada did wrong, but is it what Benatendi did so well? I think you hit it right in the head there. Uh, Benatendi is an all-around player. There's no question about it, and he deserves to be on the top five. I don't think anyone's arguing that. Uh, to be number one, though. You better be number one. And the Red Sox, what he did, like you, you were big on what he did in the pros last season, and he yeah. did have a small sample size of 34 games. And I think that's why he's number one. And if, that if he is did not play the majors why, last yeah. year, there's no way he's number one. I, I totally agree with you. Moncada didn't get as much of a taste, only eight games, while Ben Attendee was up and performing, and performing to a level where he could make his way to the starting lineup every now and then for a Boston Red Sox team that was stacked. But do you not like that? Do you not like that he jumped to number one because of what he did in the majors? You seem bothered by that. I mean, a little bit. A little bit. Because, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, even though they come out with this list every single year, that it's not the top 100 prospect list now list, meaning that they're going to have an impact come day one, because that's not totally true. Um, but doesn't that show where you are right now if you do that against major league talent? Yes and no, but it, you can't say that with – I need to see more. I need to see a full season, two full seasons even, to be able to really say, okay, this guy gets it. I'm Ben Attendee. Yes, he gets it. Yes, I do I believe he's going to be a future all-star? Of course, he is a future all-star. He's an unbelievable player. Uh, but I still think Mancada, since they're both kind of uh, – both they they they're both all around players. I still have Mancada ahead of him, uh, but not not the biggest deal. Look, they're 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 both top fives and they're both unbelievable players. Are they not? 
Uh, you probably could have flipped a coin on it, to you, be honest. Honestly, you probably could have. But I'll, I'll tell you, how's about this, though? Neither of us would ever have predicted this. I don't think anyone did. Three shortstops cracking the top five. I remember texting you about that, actually, as soon as it happened. We were so convinced that Alex Reyes was going to break the top five, but he just did not make it. Just a bit outside. Number six rated prospect via MLB Pipeline. I don't know. That, that surprised you a little bit. The I three can't. shortstops we're talking about, Torres, three, Swanson uh, from the Braves, four, and then Ahmed Rosario, five. Those are the three right-handed shortstops in a row before he gets to Reyes. I mean, you know, when you think shortstop, you think of definitely uh, a cornerstone of your franchise a lot of the times. That's at a very important position, and those are three players who are going to fit the role very nicely for their teams. But Alex Reyes is, one, ready right now, and two, is going to be doing this for a long time. You know he's going to be a part of that Cardinals rotation for years to come. Uh, he's got the stuff to keep going and the stuff to be a, an all-star a year in and year out. So I'm not mad about him being number six, but if I'm making my own list, he's in my top five. Well, you were really big on Torres, who skyrocketed up to number three. It's pretty huge if not only do you jump that much to number three, but the two names you're behind are Benintendi and Moncada. So that means yeah. like, those are the only two guys ahead of you. Swanson staying at four. I like that. The thing with me is here now, Reyes, and it's kind of the same question I have with Moncada, Reyes doesn't break the top five. Torres, Swanson, and Rosario, are they deserving enough, MLB Pipeline thinks so, to be ahead of him? Uh, I guess you obviously can t- make a case. You can make a case. It's just a little strange to me. I don't know. Who's, I mean... Okay, let's think of it like this. In five, maybe even ten years, who is going to have the most impact on their team by Man. then? That's a hard prediction if I, yeah, because if I had to lay a, a lot down, happens. I don't know. A lot happens in five years. We know that. But let's just let's just play the game. Who who is going to be there in five years? Still being an all star, still being that top level talent. And we'll look back and say, well, obviously they deserve to be where they were. If I had to, maybe I'm being a prisoner of the moment. If I had to lay some money down, if I had to bet the ranch. Now, we're only talking about numbers three through six, right? We're not talking about Benintendi or Yeah, forget, forget about the top two. Okay. You know, honestly, Sam, I'm going to have to go Torres. Yeah, I see. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. It goes For me, it goes Torres, Reyes, Swanson, Rosario. Okay. If we're, if we're thinking like that, if we're thinking future, if five years here, because any one of these players So you would hit. bump Reyes up two spots. You think he's deserving of number four. I, I would. I, I love Dansby Swanson. Don't get me wrong. I really do. And I think the Diamondbacks are absolute fools for getting rid of him for Shelby Miller. But I really am a big believer in Reyes, and I'm a believer in what the Cardinal system does. Um, and that, <laughs> I say that. Everyone's going to joke saying, you mean cheat? No, no, no. That, that, the whole situation, no. you know, the whole situation with the Astro Cardinals happened. It is what it is. It's it's hat game whatever, or whatever you want to call it whatever you want to call it but there's still a lot of questions out there about it so I'm not thinking about that I'm thinking they're of, paying the piper for that too now they are they well that's quite a punishment they, there was it was everyone thought they were going to get a bigger punishment though there was they were they were supposed I mean it's still a big punishment yeah. losing that many draft picks I mean yep. but at the same time you know what's so funny about it is if there's a team who yeah, well, they'll they'll be all right picking in the later rounds. It's the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, but they would have been even better. Any team's even better if you get a higher pick. But I get what you're saying. Here's two names we talked about pre-show, and I want to bring them up now before we have to jump into a next topic while we still have a little bit of time here. J.P. Crawford and Austin Meadows. J.P. Crawford dropping from two all the way to number seven mm-hmm. on the list. And then your boy Austin Meadows, he made the top ten. 
He but did, you just really barely. thought he was going to be a lot higher now, didn't you? I did. Look, I, I actually thought when I saw him as the number three overall prospect, I was nervous that they were going to drop him to the teens maybe even. Um, so I'm happy to see he's at least top ten. And just to be clear, he only dropped one spot. He did drop only yeah. one spot. He went from nine to ten, which is not a big deal at all. Uh, but I will say, on if I'm making my own list again, he's higher. I do have him. Maybe I would have to think about it a lot more. Maybe cracking top five, but he probably he'd probably sit. No, he'd probably sit more along the six seven lines. Um, I will say this really quick because I was telling you pre-show was bothering the sh- bothering the crap out of me. I called him a power hitter. He he can hit home runs, and he's proved that last season by knocking knocking twelve out of the park. Uh, he's got that capability, but he's so advanced at the plate. Uh, that to the point where he's more of an all-around hitter. So that's the true description that I actually wanted to give him. Uh, but he is so impressive. I love the guy. I'm kind of curious about scouting grades. Well, what's his scouting grade on power here now? They have him as a 50, which is average. That's average, okay. That's, that's average, but honestly, I actually think he's – I would put him at more of like a 55 because the guy can hit home runs. It's He's got a big frame. He's 6'3", 200 pounds. He came out of high school when he was drafted. You can't expect this 18-year-old to come bomb and dirty home runs in the minors right away. It takes time. And let me tell you about him and why I actually think arguably – I think, one, we're going to get into this more later. He's going to impress the most out of spring training. And, two, I would have him a little higher is because he's obviously the all-around player. Not only that, but he's so advanced at the plate, meaning when he's up there, he's not looking for the home run. He's not swinging for the fences. He's finding where the gaps are. He's an intelligent hitter. That's my kind of guy. He's an intelligent hitter. He knows where they're not. He knows where to place the ball. And he's very, you know, we always talk about pitchers and how smart they are against the hitters. They do their homework. This is a guy that's going to do his homework against the pitchers, which is actually unbelievable. So that's why I'm a huge, huge fan of him. Who fell for a good reason? And when I say I don't want to say somebody like Austin Meadows who just dropped one spot. I'm talking right. somebody five, ten spots all the way to the back of the line, but for, but for appropriate reasons. Any name in particular sticking out to you? That that dropped a bunch. Um, Carson Fulmer, we talked Car- about. I was going to say as Carson Fulmer. That hurt me a little bit. He yeah. really tailed down there. But he didn't do anything to really show last season that he needed. I mean, that's I'm not hitting the your top hundred. Your top hundred. That's fine. Right. Uh, JB Crawford, you mentioned went from two to seven. Ideally, that's a that's a larger drop since he's you know higher on the list. Um, I mean, that's you know JP Crawford. I still think he's a talent in the making, but. Has more work to do, which is why... He didn't I mean, he's still top 10. He didn't plummet. Lucas Giolito dropped nine spots. He went from number three to number 12. Um, I wasn't a, a huge fan of that, but other than that, I think everything was... Do you think it's because of his little stint he had with the Nationals? Once again, being on the big stage and not... Yes. Performing spectacularly... It's that I think. Yeah, you know what they they it's at least part of it. I think a lot of a scout, a lot of uh, experts will say, well, that isn't totally what I'm looking at. But you are in the back of your mind. You're remembering those major league outings where he didn't do as great. You know, he didn't perform as well as he thought he was going to. But you can never, ever, ever expect a prospect like that to do that in his first ten outings. That's not fair. It happens though. First season, first season and a half. Give him a break. It's baseball. You have to let these guys. Brew, if you will. You really have to let them pan like out the to what, what they need to be. You know who else dropped? Um, a lot of people. A lot of people dropped. <laughs> a lot of people dropped. But I can't remember how many spots exactly. So I'll let you do the research, Dan. Correct me. Clint Frazier dropped. Yeah. And also Anderson Espinosa from the from the Padres dropped a lot, I think. Yes. Yeah. yes. Clint Frazier last year 
as a man of the research going was 15. And he's now 24. Yeah. And what's what's Espinoza? Anderson Espinoza from the Padres. I think he dropped, or arguably, maybe the most. Anderson Espinoza. I would actually have to do some research on that, but being signed in 2014, and he currently is in Loe with the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, who my Cougars get to see Fort them all Wayne the time. Tin Caps. And I know that they have the craziest logo. So how about this, before we, once again, before transitioning? Here's a name, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I should have re-listened to the, to the show, episode four, I know I did, and I want to say you did, Cody Bellinger, didn't we, did we not have, both, both of us have him oh, in the top five. Oh boy, I had him number two. I thought they were going to, I thought, really? I number two. Well, again, I thought That's they right. were going to I thought it was him. insane for you to think that. You did think it was insane, but you know what, I think Bellinger is a, Top. We were way He's off t- on him. We were way off on him because we should mention his name. I, and I, I apologize for being that off. I heard his name so many times. Every time I'm listening to these experts, Cody Bellinger, Cody Bellinger. Oh man, he's a Gold Glove first baseman, but you can move him to the outfield. He's still a Gold Glover. He's gonna hit 30 plus home runs. All I ever heard was this amazing scouting report about Cody Bellinger. So I was like, you know what? These guys think very highly of him. I thought they were gonna crank him up to number two even. To be fair, he is the top rated first baseman. And yet he if is. that's any consolation. I mean, you know, that that's that's one thing. But um, I will say this. If we were talking just personally here, you could feed into this. Bellinger is definitely higher than 13, right? Uh, you like where he is, don't you? I do. No? Yeah? Okay, that's fair. You know what? That's fine. He's still top 15, but I think um, where he is with the Dodgers right now, he is going to be a key aspect to the World Series run in 2017. I think he's going to be that off the bench. See, I think that's both. I think that's what both of them. Yeah, and I think because of that, we put him high on the list. I think that's what the thought process was, mm-hmm. and that's where we made the. Should I call it a mistake? I guess I'm putting him way too high. That's you fine. put him way too. high. I did put him way too high. He was still in my top five, but you had him number two. I I thought behind Benetton. Look, I loved him, and I thought the prospect behind Torres. I thought the prospect experts loved him just as much, just because they were all over. All over him, talking about him all the time. And look, Bellinger, if we're again personally, he, he's great. I love him a lot, and I actually think I would move him up just a couple spots. Hey, my friend, I think he's more. He would be number eight, number nine on my list. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Anybody you want to hit on before we transition into our favorite segment, three up, three down? Is there any more names you got to get out there? We'll, we'll throw a couple. We'll both throw a couple. Okay. So. Um, people who are too high, I wanted to mention, this was my surprise for you. I think Mickey Maniak was too high at number 19, the number one overall prospect, our, really? our draft pick in 2016. Let me tell you why. Because, the, you know, obviously the 2016 draft, all those players are put into this top 100 prospect list now. And Maniak is at 19. Meanwhile, Puck at 69. That made no sense to me. A.J. Puck is just as highly touted of a prospect as Mickey Maniak right now, the the left-hander out of Florida going to the Oakland A's. So that just didn't make any sense to me. So if you're going to put Maniak 19, I need to see A.J. Puck higher. That was my reasoning for that. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Um, other than that, who's who's too low? How about J. Mary Candelario of the Cubs at 96? He only moved up three spots. He was 99. And he was stellar in AAA. Batted, I think, a, over a 330 uh, made a debut with the Cubs. Yeah, and he, you know he's improved a lot at the hot corner. So def- definitely too low for Jamie. 
I only wanted to mention the man with the good mustache at number 64, Sean Reed Foley, right-handed pitcher in the Toronto Blue Jays organization. That's good. Oh, yeah, he, nice he does have a real, I've, I've, I've seen that thing. That thing, thing is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. For, For anybody who wants to check it out, check out the top 100 prospect list on MLB.com. He is number 64, <laughs> Sean Foley, well, and mustache goals. It is mustache, very much so. Before we, again, I know we, we got to move on to the next segment, but this is, there's a lot to talk about here. Um, how's about the catchers being too low? The 39 and 40, Carson Kelly and Mejia. I think they were both Mejia fairly was, low. Mejia was a little bit of a surprise, yes. I, I think they, they need to be in the 20s, right? Can we agree on that? Um, I think Mejia needs to be, I could see him being at least low 30s. Thirties. I don't know in the twenties. Okay, that's fine. You know, I'm I'm fine with I that. I think high twenties would even be a stretch. Maybe thirty-two, thirty-four. Regardless, too low, right? Yeah. So a handful of spots higher. Okay. And Dan, before we move on, give me one name who was invited to spring training who is going to impress. Okay, you want to do that? I want to do um, that really quick. You know, this isn't fair because I feel like I'm only doing it for the sake of decent conversation. Although I kind of still do believe this, I'm going with Michael Kopech. Okay. The Chicago White Sox. All right, go with your hometown kid. No, I know you're a little over against that because you're that because there's a little too much hype surrounding him. You feel? No, look, I, look, I, love, I love Michael Cole. There's a lot of I hype to live up to. There's a lot of hype thing. just because of that fastball, but. No, no, the only thing is his 110 mile power. That, flame that was fastball. the only thing that was hyped up. Don't be jealous. Go watch the video. Go watch the video of that 110 mile an hour fastball. Everyone kept saying he threw it. No one ever said how he threw it. What did the radar guns say? It said 110, but you know what? Okay. His, I'm not sure what he had in his topic. hand. I'm not sure what he had in his hand, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't a baseball. And he was by a net. He was 10, 15 feet away, winds up, and whips it at the net. Okay. And then what did the radar guns say? Yeah. yeah. Look, I'm not saying it's not impressive, but I'm just saying if you're going to let a guy whip the ball like that yeah he's gonna hit unbelievable numbers so don't let that impress you let his performance on the field impress you i think he's going to impress a lot i think he's gonna impress a lot of people in that white Sox organization but i don't think he'll make the 25 man roster no, i don't think they're gonna want to rush not. that up but he'll impress on spring training yeah, that's fair and then the hype might get even bigger then then he's really gonna have some expectations to to meet if you know he does what I think he's capable of doing in spring training. But you want to mention a name yourself now, do you? Sure. Out of spring training, there's plenty of names. You could say A.J. Puck, um, Meadows, who we mentioned earlier. Who, All guys to look out yeah, for. Yeah, but uh, two in particular. I'm going Joe Jimenez from the Tigers, who they need a closer. And even though they got K-Rod back, he's the guy to look at. He's going to fill that role sooner rather than later. And Paul DeYoung. My diamond in the rough for the Cardinals in episode two. You've mentioned him a few times on this show. Oh, he's, yeah. he's moving up in the Cardinals organization quick, and they love, they're moving him to shortstop now, and um, they love Paul DeYoung just because of how many positions he can truly play. So I, I expect to see those two to really impress their teams coming out of spring training. All right, well, three up, three down now. Yep, here we go. time for Sam, do you want to give it a go? Uh, keeping it in the central last last time in this and in, in the central how's about that i know sad times here on the podcast yeah i know i got the milwaukee brewers they're my last team because they are the last place team to always look at aren't they uh the obvious prospect lewis brinson uh the only reason i put him there is because he was part of that big trade uh the jonathan lucroy trade when you know the brewers were originally supposed to get me here we all know it Instead, the second time in five episodes that we've, we've mentioned, it. We've mentioned the, the Jonathan and Croy trade, yeah. But the trade that actually happened and the one that didn't happen. This is, this is the one that actually happened, and they got Brinson out of it. And he's their number one prospect as of right now. And he was struggling his way with the Rangers and their farm system, but they put him straight to AAA, the Brewers, that is. And in 23 games, he had a slash line of 382, 
387 and 618 so he definitely made slash, yeah right? he made a huge Very impact nice. with milwaukee as soon as he got there so look forward to him uh, uh the brewers still have a lot of work to do a lot of prospects to get once they finally trade ryan braun and all that and get rid of all those guys so but as of right now brinson's the guy to look for moving forward the bust this one really makes me sad and i'm gonna tell you why taylor youngman he's the pitcher he was a first round draft pick out of 2012, I believe. Let me correct myself on that. 2011, excuse me, a year earlier. And he's been in the league two years now. Impressed his first season, posting a, oh, just over a 3.7 ERA. But last year, yeah, injuries hit him. He only pitched in about eight games. But, man, when he pitched, he was terrible. Over a 7 ERA, and the guy just couldn't figure it out. And it's so sad. He's already 27 years old. And at 27... You, you can't have that as a first-rounder. You really can't, right? No. no you definitely can't. Pushing yeah. 30 years old? Absolutely not. No. He's on the wrong end of 20. And you know why yeah, it's really sad to me? Because I oh, met him. I met did the guy. Really? I did. He's a nice guy. He's a nice fellow? He's a nice fella. And you know what? Uh, the <laughs> the poor Milwaukee fans had a lot of hope for him. But, yeah, he's he's on the he's on the downslope now. I hate to say it. So he's your bust. Uh, moving to the diamond in the rough, though. This guy was originally my obvious prospect, but then I moved him to the diamond in the rough because he's the definition of a diamond in the rough. That's Josh Hader, the left-handed pitcher. He's the current first. We can let that yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you, you know why you can let it go? Because in 10 years and from now when he's performing in the majors, you're going to say, oh, that guy was a great find. Because he was a 19th round pick by Baltimore, and then he goes from Baltimore to Houston, and then he goes from Houston to the Brewers in the Carlos Gomez trade. So he's moving his way around. No team is good had, outfielder, he, Carlos Gomez. Yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah. He sure, he sure panned out. We, I think it's safe to say the Brewers have already won that trade. Yeah. Um. So yeah, here he is, Josh Hader, leading the left-handed pitchers. Who the left-handers aren't as impressive this year. Um. He's number thirty. He's the number one left-hander. I do think he deserves to be a little higher than that. But yeah, the more I looked into it, the more I realized this is a, a rough class for left-handed pitchers. Um. And you can look in it, into it yourself. But he, he is one of the guys to look forward to. The Brew Crew is desperate for pitching. We know it. You know, we all remember the signing of Matt Garza and how that went for them. Um, and plenty of other pitching prospects and signings the Brewers have had that just have been just rough and terrible. So, but, hey, this is a guy to look forward to. His strikeout-to-walk ratio uh, has been unbelievable so far. He had some – he hit some – Bumps in the road last season, uh, but expect him to really perform this year in the farm system. And I'd say by next season, maybe even at the end of this season, expect Josh Hader in the Milwaukee Brewers starting rotation. But, Dan, yeah. um, I really want to hear about the Detroit Tigers now. Do you? I do. You know, I really do. Said no one ever. No, you know, I, hey, I like the Detroit Tigers. I am a big fan of really? uh, Mr. Miguel Cabrera is one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, okay. And Justin Verlander. Motown baseball. Right? I'm, I'm a huge fan. My obvious prospect, I'm going with a former Matsu Miner, showing the bias again. Oh, of course. Left-handed hitting, Christian Stewart. No, not the actress, the ball player, Christian Stewart. <laughs> he is just the man. Once again, let me give another quick side story here. Sam, I told you this off the air. A buddy of mine from last year, uh, down in the Alaska Baseball League, he was a former teammate for Christian Stewart, and he said that Stewart was the only player out of all his baseball days that he actually stopped so he could see his batting practice. That's 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 a great compliment. Yeah, that says a lot. That, that does say a lot. And whatever he was doing on the field, whether it be stretching, throwing the ball around, swinging the bat, whatever he was doing, he had to stop and take notice. Uh, take notice of Stewart's BP. He is currently 
His slugging percentage. I want to look at slugging percentage now. Forget the forget the average. You know why? Because Sam's gonna get mad at me if I mention what his batting <laughs> average is. I like see. batting average, but I think on base percentage and slugging percentage and those things are just well, even more important. His on base percentage, uh, career in the minor leagues, three sixteen slugging percentage for thirty. So not bad. No, and good. you know he he still has room for improvement. This is somebody who, while he was in the Alaska Baseball League that season, did partake in not only the All Star game but the home run derby. Outfielder, Christian Stewart, left-handed hitter, ranked third. Uh, this is at least as of last year. There's going to be new team rankings We're now. We're still waiting on the team rankings, right. right? But as of last year, he was ranked third in the Tigers organization. He's the number one ranked hitter. Now, let's get on in to the diamond in the rough. Oh, keep it going. Yes, keep it going. Once again now, this is, this is based off last year. So let me give you his rating off last year. I'm going with a catcher, Sam. I don't know how many times or if I ever. I think this is the first time I'm going with a catcher. Such a hard position to find, isn't it? But he is their top-ranked catcher in their organization, Grayson Griner out of South Carolina. His floor now, when it comes to him as a catcher, is your backup catcher. You said they're so hard to find. Maybe mm-hmm. he could be a backup catcher in the MLB. But, of course, his ceiling, if his back comes around, and this is at least what I've read up on him, if his back comes around, then you have yourself a solid day-to-day catcher in the major leagues. And you know how I feel with catchers and whether or not their back comes around. As long as they could, sorry for getting against the average one more time, get around that 260, 270 range. You could play some solid defense. Then I think that's... So, so basically what you're telling me is you're not expecting him to be anywhere near the top of the lineup, but you, you want, want him to be a stellar, stellar, stellar defender. defender. Sure. Uh, uh, well... Out of high school, he was the number. F- he was ranked number five best high school prospect in the state of California via Perfect Game USA. So that says a lot. Coming out of high school, six-five uh, catcher out of South Carolina, bats right, throws right. That's my guy. And uh, if you look at here, actually, I, I want to mention because I did mention if his back come, his career while in college, he had a three sixty-four on base percentage, uh, and then a. Uh, Fielding percentage of nine ninety four point nine nine four. All right, that's so not, not bad. bad. I'll tell I'll you. Can I ask you one more question about him? Of course, of course you can. So standing at six five six six, you know, I'm looking at it right now. It says he's about two twenty. A guy that, that that's that big at the catcher position. Don't you worry about his knees? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the things I was looking up on the fantastic website of YouTube was how he moved behind the plate. Mm-hmm. He he does have good movement. Okay, but as you mentioned. He's kind of tall back there. How are the knees going to hold up? Hey, whether you're 6'5 or 5'7, you got to worry about a catcher and the way they're going to take a beating, anyways. Obviously, if you're bigger, it's going to be a little harder. But A.J. Persinski, correct me, catcher, wasn't he? Oh, uh, yeah, that guy. He, yeah, lasted, he, used, he was he, pretty big. He lasted quite some time. There's my second reference in yeah. five episodes of A.J. No, Persinski. Well, I'm just going to, every time you mention him, I'm going to uh, mention um, him getting punched in the face. Punched in the face by, by Michael. Oh, my God. Barrett. 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 I want to say Bennett for some reason. Michael Barrett. Yeah, of course. Also for Griner, a career slugging percentage uh, as a Gamecock of 435. Now, here we go. The man we could quickly sweep over because he is the bust. A former first-round pick, 20th overall in the 2013 June Amateur Draft by the Detroit Tigers. Pitcher by the name of Jonathan Neal Crawford. Sam, he's a first-round pick few years back back in 2013 he has yet to make it out of high a and he has found himself on the injury uh injury report many many times once again we mention it over and over again 
that when these top picks don't do what they were supposed to do or were projected to do, a lot of times you do see injuries. If you look at his if you look at his resume here, you'll notice he was put on the 7-day DL in the minors quite a few times. He has a combined ERA in his few seasons in the minors with quite a few different teams going from low A to high A to rookie ball, in between back and forth, 340 ERA, and, and that's in 48 games, a record of 9-9. Nine and nine. Highly touted prospect. prospect. He was drafted once, once again, again 20th overall, out of Florida, first round, out of Florida. So good pedigree right there. Yeah. And maybe he'll pick it up, but if he doesn't, I mean, he's going to have to pick it up in massive strides if he wants to become what a first-round pick should be. So that's going to have to be my bust right there for the for the Detroit Tigers. And there you go with my 3-up, three 3-down. Three we have closed out. The Central Divisions of both the American League wow. and the National League. Look at us. And before we go and sign off, Sammy wants to do one more little quick thing here. Yeah, a brand new little segment that we've uh, before. Uh, we, I don't know if we have an official name for it yet, but I guess for now we'll call it Did It Work, basically. Meaning okay. we're going to go uh, into the past and find an old school trade. That, uh, we're gonna a, into the we're gonna, and go to the Yeah, past. we're going to find a major league player that was traded for a minor league player. And just to see who won that trade, so... This one, we're going all the way back to 1990, Dan. And guess what? The Red Sox. I wasn't even born. Neither was I. No, I was no. <laughs> a 93 for me. Um, so three years before I was born, the Red Sox were making a deal. And they go ahead and send Jeff Bagwell to the Astros for Larry Anderson, the reliever. Who? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Who? You know why you say that? Because he was a relief pitcher at the time was having probably the best year he's ever had as a reliever. Um, but, I mean, we all know how this works out. Here's here's something funny. When I type in Larry Anderson's name on Google, uh, you know who comes up? An attorney, it's a, it, surgeon. It's two people. It's an actor and a financial service company. Financial service company. Does he own it now? I don't think so. Is it so. his? I'm pretty sure it's, I'm pretty sure it's not the pitcher. Oh, okay. Pitcher Anderson's place. You never know. Small world. But here, here's the thing. Jeff Bagwell was in double A at the time, playing third base, actually. And he was stuck behind the likes of Wade Boggs. So it made ah. sense for the Red Sox to get rid of him, right? Sure did. It sure did. But you know what the Astros said? Uh, you know what? We, we we don't need you at third base either. We, we had Ken Caminetti. Oh, my. Did I say his name right? Yeah, yeah Ken Caminetti. Yeah, because yeah, you sure know did. I Ken Caminetti. He was juicing up like crazy. A lot of guys yeah, were yeah, obviously he, back then. Yeah, I remember. I specifically remember him. Juicing up because he was terrible and then started bombing 40 home runs and whatnot. But anyways, so they moved Jeff Bagwell to first base, which the Red Sox could have did, and he did just fine, and we, we know how it works out. Anderson at the time, I believe he was 37, 38 years old when the Red Sox picked him up. Um, but, hey, hey, Danny, tell me, who, who won that trade? That's actually a hard question. Uh, Hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The Red Sox. The Red Sox definitely did not win that trade. Jeff Bagwell was just inducted into the Hall of Fame. You well, missed because, the Hall of Famer. Well, because like you said, okay, you know what? I didn't listen to the question properly. You said who won that trade, not was it a, a smart trade. At the time, I don't, know if, I don't know if you would still even call it a smart trade, but. You know why it wasn't? Because the Red Sox ended up losing in the first round to, I believe, the Athletics. Okay. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm just trying to say, if I went back in the past and if I could have made that move myself, would I? I don't know. It's a little tough. Probably not. Once again, for last time, hindsight is twenty twenty, though. But who won? If that's simply the question you're asking, maybe I... Yeah, if I'm just answering that, of course, the Red Sox. You got a Hall of Fame out of the deal. The Red Sox lost. They didn't even think about moving him from third base. They said, we got Wade Boggs, we got to get rid of him. 
And next, they had one hell of a third baseman themselves. Not only that, but they lost the trade. Sure, they lost the trade. But not only that. Jeff Backwell was in the pros the next year in 1991 and won the Rookie of the Year. Yeah. You so, wanted to rip my head off just for even yeah, slightly no, thinking about absolutely. that. absolutely. I know. I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. The whole point of this segment is to have a, it weigh really towards one team. That's true. And, That's true. And in this case, uh, hey, Astros, great job. Yeah, no, absolutely. You got a Hall of Fame first baseman out of the deal. One of the killer bees for years and years and years. Made one World Series appearance and lost that to the White Sox back in old five. Oh, yeah, throw that one in there. Was that? I believe that was Jeff Bagwell's last season too. I think so. I think yeah, that was his last season. You know, he made one more run, and man, that Jeff Bagwell, Craig Biggio days. I love. I have to look more into loved, that, but I think you're right. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Biggio, Bagwell, Berkman. Loved those Astro days. Yeah, man. Killer Bees. Remember Roger Clemens, and Andy Pettit. Andy too? Pettit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a absolutely. Team. What a team. Well, we're gonna have plenty more of those for you yeah. uh, in future episodes. We'll we'll do our research, and but for now, Red Sox lose. Jeff Bagwell for Larry Anderson. What a what a one sided trade that was, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't worry, Sam. I'll agree with you on that one. That is one hundred list again. Maybe yeah, maybe it'll come up again. If not, it doesn't matter. We are five episodes in, and I think we have to send a couple thank yous because we haven't sent them yet. We're bad people. One to the logo designer, the man who designed that beautiful logo of ours that you see on our Facebook, on our Twitter, on the iTunes, on the Blog Talk Radio, wherever you find us, Kevin Sinoga. Did I pronounce no, that right? Sonoga. Kevin Sonoga. <laughs> You're close. That's okay. Okay, so I finally gave him a shout-out, and I messed that up. No, so Kevin right. Sonoga. Yes, thank you very much. He's the man who designed our logo. Uh, the man who voiced our intro, Joey Gelman, good buddy of mine. Once again, you can follow us on Facebook, Diamond in the Rough Podcast, Twitter, at Diamond Podcast. Send us an email. Tell us you love us. Send us flowers for Valentine's Day, Diamond in the Rough Podcast at gmail.com. See you next week.